0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh,
1: oh, oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts.
2: So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media?
1: for your weekly
2: dose of Wayne's Comics.
0: Welcome to episode 537 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, I talk with Samuel Satin, who is one of the creative forces behind Unico Awakening, a reimagining of the classic manga. Samuel has a Kickstarter underway for this book, and we talk about the history of the character, what it's been like to take a fresh look at such an established franchise, and what else Samuel is up to in the coming months. I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say in this fun and informative conversation. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Samuel Satin, the creator of many interesting comics, uh, a lot of them anime and uh, manga related. The Wolfwalkers, the graphic novel version, Camp, which I got to read, Legend, which is a fascinating concept, and the Silent End. And then you have a Kickstarter going on, which is for Unico Awakening manga and stuff. How's it doing, Sam?
1: Oh, it's doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, the The Kickstarter is going really, really well, and we're super excited and grateful for everyone who has uh, pledged and supported us.
0: I always forget this because I get talking about the books, and people say, you never say that soon enough." But this is going to—it's uh, our well—you shot past your goal already. But the project's going to be funded if it reaches its goal by Thursday, June two, at eleven fifty nine p.m. Eastern Daylight Time.
1: That is correct and yeah um we are we were fortunate to get funded within the first twenty four hours of the campaign, which was really really cool um and since then we it's continuing to grow uh and yeah it's um we're we're really excited to see we're really excited to see all the you know all the enthusiasm around the project
0: it's it's amazing to me 'cause it's the 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 original goal was fifty thousand dollars, yeah. That's kind of high for a Kickstarter, at least the ones that I'm aware of. Yeah. But as we're talking, and we're recording this a little early before it posts, uh, you are over 800 backers and almost $84,000. And I'm sure by the time this posts, you'll be you'll have shot past that as well. So congratulations. Wow.
1: Thank you so much. And yeah, it, it, it was, um, the thing with a campaign like this is because like, yeah, because $50,000 as our base, as our funding goal was, a was a, a higher ask than, than, than a good amount of comics. And, um, one of the reasons for that is because we have, it's a real, um, international collaboration mm-hmm. and we have a lot of people that are working on it. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, translators, we have different artists, we have, uh, a whole host of people who are contributing, and then we also have the people at Tessica Productions that are the uh, the, the rights holders for Unico. So it ended up having a little bit of a higher um, uh, price tag in order to um, get the whole project funded.
0: Uh, that's great, but you've already—I mean—the great part is you zoomed past that already. Absolutely, twenty-four hours. Wow, that does—you know how many Kickstarter people would like to have <laughs> have that under their belts. <laughs> Yeah, we're really
1: we're really grateful for the support. I mean, that's that's just the honest truth. We're just so grateful it's for the people who have um, have
0: uh, pledged. Let's talk a little bit about your previous work, and then we'll dive into that uh, full uh, full tilt. Um, according to the description I see on on Amazon of all places, it says you're an author and coffee addict. Yes uh this i think this is your written you're written this so i can't blame anybody for that
1: yeah no no um i am a massive massive uh copy addict um i basically have been um i'm actually also i I have to admit that i'm also a bit of a copy snob at this point oh Um, i've got to the point where i i have to have like i have been uh I have to, I'm a little, I'm a little more picky about the type of coffee that I'll be able that I want to drink because it's the one thing that my one uh, strong vice. And so, uh, but yeah, I, I have about um, probably about three to four cups a day, which I guess isn't too terrible. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can't, I don't, I don't know what I would be able to do without it.
0: Oh, wow. See, I'm just the opposite. If I drink it, I get a pounding headache. So I, I can't drink it. Yeah, I
1: know people who have that uh, issue. I don't know. It's just for some reason, coffee and me get along very well.
0: Well, that's good. That keeps you going. That's a yeah. good thing about that. Yeah. So that's good. Well, I, I, okay, I'm get all the personal stuff out of the way all at once. Um, I, I, I told you before we started recording, I was going to ask about this. It says, the, towards the end of your description, it says, he lives in Oakland, California with his wife slash assassin and two cats.
1: <laughs> yes. Why,
0: why is she a wife slash assassin?
1: So my wife, her name is Melanie Hilario. She actually also writes comics, and she uh, works with a team of two women called Triple Dream uh, Comics. Uh, you can you can look them up. Um, they, uh, she is. Um, when I met her, she was studying uh, kung fu. It happened for a long time, and she's. Um, I just think she's dangerous. So- <laughs> <laughs> um, she's, she's, she can definitely um, she can take me out uh, she can take a lot of people out she knows how to use different things around the house as weapons not on, not on me in particular but I remember um, she came home one day from practice uh, from uh, Kung Fu and uh, she, one of the things that she had to, one of her um, tasks was to look around the house and to log and to catalog everything that she, that could be used as a weapon Um, in the case of, you know, needing to, in case of, you know, needing to fight. And I was like, well, that sounds like the primer for, you know, what assassins would have to do as well. (laughs) So I was like, you know, and so I'm pretty much starting to think of her as like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I know that you're, you're not technically an assassin, but that absolutely you, you could have been an assassin. And, um, for some sort of organization, you could absolutely be. Have figured out how to go around the world, and I don't know, kill somebody with a matchbox. <laughs> well,
0: I you ever watch true crime stuff. They just remind her that every time they uh, the husband dies, the first person they look at is the wife.
1: That's right. So I better be kept alive. That's all I'm
0: saying.
1: Yeah. They won't believe. I'll meet her. They're like, oh, okay, you did it. <laughs>
0: That's funny. I don't know how these people do that and think they're going to get away with it. I'll just never I, – I always sit there and go like, what? Of course they did it. It's always this. It's oh. It
1: really is. Like, is it
0: like 96% of the time or something like that? Yeah, something like that. It's, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, how do you think that? I don't know. But anyway, let's talk about your stuff. Uh, the, the, I, I got a chance to read Bez Camp, which I really enjoyed. I, I, It really has an interesting uh, question I got to refer to at the beginning. In the introduction, the first thing you do is ask a question it says, "How important is curiosity to you?" and I thought that I had to think about that before I moved off into your into the description It's so interesting that the this book is based on a society that has basically weeded out all curiosity. From people and it makes for a very different society and one of the things that you did that i have to mention i'll let you uh, respond to that is the language that they use it's uh it's much more phonetic than it is uh, there's, so that made the book a little it's 208 uh, 258 pages long and i was like wow but it's really it's gripping i had, it was a page turner and i i was just like man it's amazing stuff about that. And just where did that concept come from? What's that all about? Um,
1: well, well, first of all, thank you so much for reading it. Um, and I'm really glad you, you enjoyed it. It's, it's actually the, the idea of, uh, best camp did come around from, um, working with my, I actually, I have a book coming out with them, uh, next year as well. Rye Hickman, um, uh, formerly Jen Hickman. Um, uh, the book idea was to create something that um, really tried to figure out, like, what would it be like if you tried to tear down the past uh, to to a point where you know you. So, so the the story of Best Camp is about a a group of people who were kind of refugees from Earth who end up um, on this um, on this planet. And they live in a very, and after generations, generations of being in a very, very, very persecuted, um, repressive society, they have, um, they're, they've lost the ability to, uh, where, where no writing, where writing has been forbidden, right? So no, you, you can't write, you can't read. There's no writing is considered to be kind of a tool of, of, of evil, um, and in that kind of society where you're not allowed to communicate. Uh, via the written word, what kind of happened, how do, how do things break down, both linguistically and emotionally and intellectually? And so, and the main character is a character who is curious mm-hmm. um, in this framework. And, uh, and you know, and, and the question that I wanted that, that we asked, like, what does curiosity mean to you, is meant to kind of explore, his name is Nem, is mm-hmm. Nem's you know, what would you would you be able to say that I I, I I wanted to think about it for myself, like the idea of like you know, um, I consider myself to be a curious person and somebody who really wants to who enjoys asking questions and learning about you know what, what I see around me and but I I have to wonder you know in a situation where you are um, where you don't have many tools around you to have an outlet for that curiosity, what do you do? <laughs> how, mm-hmm. how do people actually function? And, and, and how do you, how do you reach outside of that? And so that was the kind of the story that we were keeping in mind for, for best camp. And, and I, I think for me, it just like the idea that, you know, if you, if you've grown up in any kind of a uh, situation where you feel like you, um, are not allowed to, you know, any kind of repressed situation or situation where you're not allowed to kind of, uh, move beyond your own, um, your own means or your own environment. Mm-hmm. Um, how do people end up doing how How do people end up doing it anyway? I find that really exciting to kind of think about, like how do people end up like moving? If you know, say you were, you were, you were, you were born in a, uh, I mean, this is an extreme example, but say you were born in a, in a, in a, in a compound mm-hmm. right? where you are, where you're, where you're raised in a, in a, in a, in a small place where you're not allowed to see the light of, you're not allowed to see anything outside of that compound. How do you, how does how does one person end up getting out? Mm-hmm. Um and and what is that drive that helps them to get there? And what if an entire society was built like that uh, <laughs> is the question that I that I, that we kind of tried to explore with Best Cam.
0: Does the one of the like I said, the 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 language that they speak is different from what we do and and even the writing is like the word they is D-E-Y and uh what is W U T and Stuff like that, and you have to kind of get into that. As you get into the book, it's easier. But starting out, I kind of had to go. Wait a second. Okay, I got to adapt to this. Was yes. that tough to write, or was it actually easier to, to use the language like that?
1: So it was tough to write um, at first. And the, the thing is, kind of like the once we set up the conventions for the different words they used, and um, and it became a lot easier. We figured out what the, all the pronouns were and what all the um, what all the different different Kind of thing the, the names they had for different things in society it became easier mm-hmm. and I also we also did i mean to be perfectly honest we did understand we came to understand when the book came out that some people had trouble with it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i and, and i understand it's one of those things where it's like we wanted to really ac- try, try to accurately show what what it might look like if language breaks down but at the same time there are drawbacks to that in which, you know, when you're reading a book like that, you have to kind of say like, okay, am I willing to, to let myself, um, you know, get into this phonetic way of speaking? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it too, is it too, is it, is a little bit too outside of my, um, comfort zone to get into, which I, I mean, again, we, I understand that. I think it's, I think it's an interesting conversation, Um, some people when they read best camp, they're like, I I couldn't handle going through it. I couldn't handle reading it like that. It just really, it really was difficult for me. And some people like yourself would say like, you know, no, I was able to, it was a little tough at first, but then I got into it. I really enjoyed the effect that it had. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what we were. And that, and and so I guess that the thing with best camp is, um, and we didn't intend it for it to be this way, but maybe it's not as, it wasn't an easy book because of that. It was a harder book to, it was a little bit more of a challenging book. And i'm okay with that but at the same time i i do understand if it's uh, when people say it's you know uh i i would have preferred if it was easier to to,
0: to get through well i gotta even the title is that is, is that supposed to be best camp it's supposed to be base camp base camp okay yeah. i thought it was best camp or something like that yeah so oh, like
1: okay. so they end up talking about they they call their town their they call their town base camp and you can see that there's uh if you look for clues around this story, you can actually see that there are, uh, uh, there are crates and stuff that says base camp. Mm-hmm. And so they started calling it best camp over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, made, that became the name for their, for where they lived. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, it, it might've worked in some ways it might've worked better as, um, in, in, as a, as a, as a film or a mm-hmm. teleplay or something like that, mm-hmm. in that in the phonetic language, because it's a graphic novel I think one of the things that is – and I'm just just speaking very frankly about the work is that I think that um, in retrospect, graphic novels, like in, in comics in general, um, you know, there's this thing about moving through them quickly, mm-hmm. right? And Best mm-hmm. Camp does make you kind of slow down and have to kind of go through and read them, read things a little closer, which I can see for some readers be like, well, it's just not not exactly what I'm used to, and I, I prefer not to go that way.
0: Well, so, but you don't want every book to be the same, though.
1: That's what I hope. <laughs> That's that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm very, I'm very proud of Best Camp. I just think it's, um, it's, it brought up a lot of interesting conversations for me about how comics are supposed to, what people think comics are supposed to be, and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 what people's reading experiences are like when they're going through them.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you write prose as well as comics, right? I do. Yeah, because I think that was the silent end. Is that prose?
1: Uh, the silent end is prose.
0: Yes. Oh, okay, I thought as much as I looked at it. I couldn't ever find it in the comic section, so I figured it must be prose.
1: Yes, yeah. no, it is prose, and it's um, and uh, I'm actually working on it. I've been working, been working on it for about six years. We're working on another prose novel right now that mm. I'm uh, in the process of uh, doing a second edit on, and hopefully finishing up soon.
0: Cool. no I I got to talk about another couple months real quickly. Uh, Legend which came out from Z2 Comics. It's the story of humans have, have largely been eradicated from the planet, and the animals have taken over. And legend is the name of one of the dogs. Um, talk a little bit about that one, because I'm, I'm always fascinated. There was a series that came out not long ago in which animals became conscious or cognizant, they were able to speak with humans uh, same language and everything.
1: Is that and, animosity? animosity? Yes,
0: that's yeah. the one I, I literally was reading, and I looked down, I had two dogs sitting at my feet, and I thought, what are they actually thinking? Yeah right now, if they could talk to me, what would they tell me? You know kind of stuff, so that's, that that's kind of stuff I like did so if you're aware of anim- of animosity, did was legend before that after that How, was that something separate?
1: Legend was before Animosity. Um, It came out in 2016. Um, I think Animosity was 2018, 2017. I'm not not exactly sure. Um, But uh, yeah, it came before that. Um, And it was, well, the way that we started talking about it popularly to get people primed for it was it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like Watership Down meets The Walking Dead, Hmm. um, which we had. um, One of the things that I really love about Watership Down is the mysticism in it Mm -hmm. the the rabbits all have kind of a religion Mm -hmm. and they and they and they kind of uh and they kind of have prophecies and things like that and that really is interesting to me Mm -hmm. so we kind of um took that model in some ways for legend but we made it about a group of dogs in the post-apocalyptic world that are attempting to uh find a new uh a new have their leader lead lead them to kind of like a new promised land you know Mm -hmm. um and uh they meet that they they have to engage with members of the cat tribe in order to do this, mm-hmm. um, which are uh, which they are which which are kind of like their frenemies. Or, well, actually, I would say they're, they're enemies. They're probably more enemies. But um, you know, uh, but yeah. And I was working on it with an artist named Chris Kaler, who's a really interesting illustrator. He's a great illustrator, and mm-hmm. um, it was his first time doing comics. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were able to finish the first of five issues and, and but still unfortunately to this day it has not has yet to be uh completed. Wow. Uh, so we're hoping to be able to complete the series in the future. Um but it's supposed to be a ten issue series and we got to uh issue five. Mm-hmm. Um so um but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a story that I really think is uh is beautiful and we had a great time working on it.
0: Cool. Well I hope we could uh- Conclude cause I want to read that. Uh, a lot of your the concepts in your books are fascinating to me. I just oh. I'm really intrigued by them. Um, talk about two more real quickly before we start getting into the uh, into Unico um, Wolf Walkers, which is a an adaptation of a movie into a graphic novel. Um, isn't that that's? I always think that's a challenge. You know, you've got a movie. Uh, apparently is really popular and popular enough for somebody to want to turn it into a graphic novel you have to be true to the comics medium while also being true to the movie uh, how challenging was that for you
1: it was a it was it was really it was a great i would call this it was actually um it was a great challenge i really enjoyed it like enjoyed mm-hmm. working on it basically like um the Wolfwalkers, Wolfwalkers is based off of a, um, off of a cartoon scene film, which is uh, started by uh, Tom Moore um, in, uh, in Ireland or an Irish studio. And um, they did, and they made this, uh, they, they Wolfwalkers is just this incredible story about, um, about, you know, uh, kind of uh, this myth of people who turn into wolves at night and um where the billion turned to wolves and uh it comes down it's it's very much like about like you know, nature versus industry and mm. uh and you know, new religion versus old religion and things like that and um and and kind of also has its roots in, you know, in Celtic mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just this brilliant story. So when I got the chance to be able to adapt it for a graphic novel, I was kind of just overjoyed to be able to try to work on this. And it did present a lot of unique challenges, which was like trying to figure out how to, um, how to take this, you know, as you were saying, like a completely different medium Mm -hmm. and transition it to comics and make it work for comics. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, what we noticed as what I noticed as as I was going through it and working on it was that you have to kind of uh, there, we had to have some design additions for sure. We had to have some, some modifications to make it actually function as a comic because there were some scenes that, um, you know, you have to you have to bring certain things to the forefront in comics. It's kind of like um, what, what what, was a really good analog for it actually is when you watch, when you read a manga and then you watch an anime,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, you'll see that what they do in anime is they often draw directly from the manga Mm -hmm. and they, um, and they take the key shots Mm -hmm. in the manga that are really, really powerful Mm -hmm. and they make them stand out and they slow them down in the animated version. So in a way, I was kind of reverse engineering that in which we had to find the moments of action and momentum in the moments that were the, um, the action moments that were really big action beats and pull them out and put them into panels <laughs> and then make sure that we, that that the text that we used accompanied it correctly. And that we also kind of like messed around with the, with the dialogue. So, I mean, it was, it, it is kind of, a, it is a challenging exercise, but it's also a really fun one <laughs>
0: um,
1: in which you get to kind of see how, you can actually move one medium to another.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love doing
1: it. I love working on
0: it. That's one I haven't read yet. I'm like, I I, I started to watch the movie, but I haven't. I, I've got to get into that because it really looks fascinating. One more thing we'll touch on real quickly before we get to Unico Glint Book One, The Cloud Raiders. I've got that's- to read the description. <laughs> It says on Amazon, it's a motorbike riding warrior grannies must help a small minor boy named Loon withstand a regime that's been brainwashing its people for generations while being attacked by monsters called feeders.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was an ambitious project. <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I have a thing with motorbiking grannies. I don't know what it is. It's <laughs> old and all their, Actually, it's funny. Um, a, a small small anecdote that uh, when I was first, um, I first got a shot when I was first starting out writing to um, pitch a story for a big publisher that they wanted to do, have uh, something ghostwrite mm-hmm. about this uh, kid who takes his grandma to prom. It was kind of like this, this cute YA uh, middle grade book. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to write a couple of chapters and I made the grandma this like raging alcoholic kind of who was a, who was also kind of like, uh, who was also kind of a, um, kind of a badass and all these different things. And I, and it was kind of the same model and the publisher that they were like, this is interesting, but <laughs> like, you know, we don't know who will fit in for our demographic. And so I didn't get the job, <laughs> but, um, but I think I did realize that, you know, there's something that I, I do have for, for you know, this idea of this, um, strong warrior grandma mm-hmm. you know uh mm-hmm. something that i really get into um glint was really fun to work on uh uh the artist um had to drop off the project due to some personal issues unfortunately um so we weren't able to finish that one uh mm. i have the scripts um for the other two books that are seeing in a drawer so hopefully one day somebody will see them um mm. you know uh but like um like I think that that is, uh, yeah, it it it, it, is, it is a big story, and I think that one day uh, we'll be able to bring it to an end.
0: Because uh, I occasionally get emails where people want me to review stuff, and I got that book. I got a, a, a review copy of that, and I was reading through that, and I found that interesting too. It's. All your books require an imagination to to, to go into. If if somebody only can deal with real people all the time, uh, they're not going to be able to dive into your books as strongly as they might other, like superhero books and stuff like that. Right, right, right. But I find them really fascinating because I like variety in my reading. I like to see something I haven't read before. And so for me, I really enjoy those things. So either Glint is going to be great. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm enjoying reading it. And it's really, really interesting to see. It's really good stuff.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. So let's get to Unico Awakening because I was talking about, you know, the challenges of doing a uh Translating something. This is a massive translation project. This is, you know, and maybe you you might do a better job of describing the history of Unico than I might, because I'm, you're much better at anime than I am. Why don't you talk about what Unico is all about?
1: Um. So uh, let's see here. So basically, so Unico is a story based off of um, uh, Unico's story by Osamu Tezuka. And Osamu Tezuka is considered to be the god of manga mm-hmm. in Japan. So mm-hmm. he's kind of the guy who – uh, people in the United States kind of know him more as the creator of Astro Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really – the scale of his work and the amount of work that he created is enormous. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he really did start modern manga and modern in the, in the modern animation industry in Japan, anime mm-hmm. industry. He is responsible. So, you know, he he and the people that surrounded him are responsible for for, for bringing that into being. And Unico was created uh, in 1974. It ran for two years, from 1974 to 1976. It's a story about a unicorn, a small unicorn that is uh, a, 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 who is essentially able to inspire people through. Um, sheer kindness in the power of like imparting beauty and kindness to others. Mm -hmm. Um, This is so much. So in fact, that he attracts the ire of the goddess of love Venus Mm -hmm. uh, who has him banished from the heavens and asks her servant the West wind to carry him across space and time and banish him to this place called the hill of oblivion Mm -hmm. where he'll wander in eternal solitude and forget who he, everything he was. Hmm. So it's this, it's this really kind of like punishing thing for this uh, small unicorn. And um, the West Wind, though, takes his, his, her servant takes pity on him and ends up, you know, not dropping him on the hill of oblivion, but ends up dropping him in the human world. Hmm. And, Whenever he and so he wakes up in the human world and is able to use his powers of kindness and to, whenever he whenever people are kind to him and he forms friendships, his power grows he's able to do incredible things. Mm-hmm. But the more he does that, the more he is also attracts the eyes of the uh of of, of the god of the gods. Mm-hmm. So she has to wipe his memory again and take him to a different place. Hmm. So he ends up kind of going from place to place throughout time always making friends and helping people only to forget everything he's done and forget mm-hmm. his past deeds and have to start again anew. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a almost like a, he lives different these separate lives, almost like a reincarnation story. Mm-hmm. And it's um so one of the things about Unico that I really love is that even though it's this kind of cute little unicorn, it's actually kind of a uh, it's a heavy story. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's a and it's a complex story, it's a fable. Mm-hmm. about, um, about, about love and loss and the nature of beauty and all these different things and, and the, the the evils of vanity. And, um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of the, uh, the, the origin of, of, of Unigo. Um, it was, I believe it was in collaboration with Sanrio when it first came around and it was also done during a very difficult period in, in the, um, in Tezuka's life when he created it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, from what I, this news release says is that this particular story is a reimagining of the Ark, the cat on the broomstick.
1: That's correct. And, um, I, can, yes.
0: I can read the, the paragraph that talks about what it is. Uh, it says, in this reimagining, Unico befriends a stray cat named Chloe, and the two new friends aid an old woman who Chloe mistakes for a witch. When Chloe realizes Unico can do actual magic, she begs him to turn her into a human for a few moments each day. Unico agrees so long as Chloe doesn't touch, doesn't lose touch with her fem, feline identity. When a dangerous man, the goddess Venus, set out to destroy Unico, the spirit of the west wind must search the ends of the universe for a way to end Unico's eternal cycle of suffering.
1: That's correct. So, yeah, so the, the, the Cat and the Broomstick is – so the way that the original comics are are formatted is that um, each chapter, he kind of goes to a different – he's taken to a different time and era, right, and, and, and kind of uh, makes new friends and has an adventure and then gets taken to a different era, right? Mm-hmm. So the Cat and the Broomstick, he gets taken to – I'd say it's probably like um, – more modern, more modern times. Um, and he befriends this cat named, uh, who are naming Chloe and an old woman, um, who's kind of, uh, losing her memory. And they're troubled by this, uh, this local hunter who is this kind of sadistic guy uh, in the comics, uh, named Baron de Ghost. We call him Byron in the new version. And so that story in particular, we, I picked for the, um, uh, to adapt because it is first of all it's one of the larger stories, and mm-hmm. in, in in the book in the mm-hmm. comics, and second of all it has a lot of themes that I think are really really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So you can really draw a lot from those from the from the from the themes of the Cat and the Broomstick about like identity. So for example, there's this cat in the um, in, in the in the story that doesn't want to be a cat anymore that wants to be a human and gets the chance to do so, mm-hmm. and uh, to and the effect of doing that is both uh is both good and, and bad, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, so um there's a lot going on in the story about identity and accepting who you are and yeah. uh, what happens when you try to leave your identity behind. Um there's also a lot about the nature of not respecting nature. Um nature not respect. there's not a lot about not respecting nature and like the idea of this hunter who becomes this um it's particularly sadistic hunter becomes the villain of the story mm-hmm. is, uh, has absolutely no respect for the natural world and in, in Tensika's eyes, that was, uh, a really terrible way to be. Hmm. So we kind of get to kind of explore ideas, uh, about eco consciousness and things like that, which was a big part of Tensika's work. So, um, a lot of it is about, um, so yeah, the themes are really, really large and really, really, um, great to kind of explore. And also we get to kind of, um, a story that i think in and you know the work of a person who i don't think always uh gets enough um spotlight in the united states especially mm-hmm. so that's kind of the um that's our hope of working on this
0: now you're doing this both in in uh, the native language and also in in english right
1: that's correct so we're doing it both in english and japanese yes okay
0: very good so um the, the again you know you talked about you know, adapting a work. uh, And with this one, which is a big name in the anime world, how, you know, (laughs) what was that like having to adapt this? They didn't want it to be a direct adaptation. They want you to update it on some levels. So what was it like to try to remain true to the original focus of the story, but also try to, you know, update it to something that would be more, uh, something that people today would appreciate.
1: That's a great question. Um, so uh, it's definitely there, there. There's it's it's um, it's a large responsibility and something I don't take lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I feel incredibly, you know, grateful and 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 kind of awestruck to be able to participate in. Um, because you know, Tezuka himself, his work really left a big impression on me. I started reading him. A, a while back, and I, I really was, um, a lot of his works just kind of changed my life, uh, <laughs> particularly um, when I read this, this book of his called M.W., uh, they call it Mu in Japanese, and um, he I actually found out he wrote it at the exact same time that he wrote Unigo, <laughs> um, which is uh, makes a kind of strange sense to me. But it's, uh, you know, working with somebody's work like this, in some ways, it's incredibly intimidating. And um, it's also really wonderful because what I love about Tezuka himself um, as an artist was that he loved collaboration. And he loved the idea of iterating on stories and having other people iterate on his stories. Hmm. So it's like, you know, one of the things that's wonderful with working with Tezuka Productions, the company that's his namesake, is that they also feel that way. Hmm. So, you know, when they're creating when you're what they kind of explained to me from what I understand was like the idea of having if you have a core understanding of what the work is trying to get across, mm-hmm. they don't really mind changing the details. And in the fact, that they kind of welcome new interpretations. So the idea of kind of building something new from the from the, you know, the the IP of from the from the from the work of somebody who you know who, who laid the foundation is really appealing to them and I love that about Tezuka and I love that about working on this project mm-hmm. so like um, for the artist team that I'm working with and the co creator of this project uh, Guru Hiru which um, they they felt the same way, like they were a little bit nervous, like when they were going to come on and work on this, they were like, and especially since they're from they're from Japan, they Japanese, mm-hmm. and you know, which puts a whole entire new level of pressure on them because they have to work <laughs> with this person in Japan who's just like this 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 icon, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then when they figured out that they would they, they would be allowed to kind of have their own expression of the project, and they were encouraged to do so. Mm-hmm. That kind of changed their outlook, and they were way more excited about coming on.
0: Mm. Now, my understanding, it's 172 pages. Right. Um, it's the Eisner Award-winning artist team from Superman Smashes the Clown, which I bought and I really enjoyed. It's great, um, right? It's Guru Hiru. I'm, I'm just sure I'm butchering everything with this stuff.
1: It's, it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a tough thing to pronounce uh, because it's,
0: yeah, Guru hiru. Okay, yeah, I trust you to do that and get that. <laughs> screen, <'cause... laughs> no problem. <laughs> Mine's not so good, so but uh, it's really interesting. So, so, how far are you? Have you finished with the script and stuff?
1: So, um, I'm working on the script currently, and we're both um, and we're going to be batching it in in you know batched order to get kind of pages out in uh, in chunks. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll be releasing. Well, most more will be done soon. Um, okay. But right now, yeah,
0: the script is being worked on at the moment. Cool, cool. Now, you've got several artists that are doing uh, prints to go along with it. And the name, is, as I was telling you before we started recording, that I recognize is Peach Mamoko, who awesome. is doing a lot of work for Marvel and other companies, I think, uh, these days. So that's a, a real coup to have her doing three different prints, looks like. And we get to see them on the, the Kickstarter page
1: yeah that was a huge um that was a really wonderful thing to have peach momoko on board and the fact that she wanted to do three prints it's actually really interesting so like you know one of the lovely things about this project is that especially from the artist with the artists that grew up in japan Mm -hmm. um they kind of grew up with this character you know Mm -hmm. this character unigo was something they read as kids Mm -hmm. and so when it came to the point where we were able to talk about it as a, uh, you know, as a, as a, as, as like, you know, the, when we asked them, we were propositioning the artist to be able to do this. There was no sense of, um, well, we'll see. I don't know. They were like, yes, please. I would love to work on this. Right. <laughs> and then Paige Pomoko was like, she was like, can I do three? <laughs> and we're like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> do three. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a really wonderful, um, kind of unexpected thing that we got those three uh pieces from 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 peach momoko and i know i know i can't wait to hang them on my walls so um yeah they're they're really striking and gorgeous she did a fantastic job
0: now are the other artists people that uh who who are into anime would know because i'm sure i'd butcher them if i try to pronounce them except tom moore i think i can get and i think Sue lee i think i can actually pronounce but the other ones uh, are they people that uh, anime fans would know? Yes. So
1: Sue Lee is an American artist um, and she's worked on a, a variety of different comics. And Tom Moore is the person who actually did the Wolfwalkers film. Hmm. Uh, so he's the person who, uh, who was who in charge of, of that. Um, the artist uh, more of the artists we have, uh, Katie Langeway, who is an American artist. Um, and then we have, uh, who's, who's really talented and actually uh, works with my, uh, my wife, Hmm. other projects um and then for the other artists we have Kamome shidahama who does this really really uh wonderful series called witch hat atelier Mm -hmm. that's very that's very 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 well known in the united states and abroad um and it's uh it's kind of like a uh uh, a very sophisticated interesting uh take on wizarding and kind of almost like a wizard school but in a very different way than harry potter ever approached it um and uh that's really great and then also we have akira Himakawa who uh does the legend of zelda manga all of them all the all the legend of zelda manga uh, mm-hmm. that have been, uh pretty pretty big in the united states abroad and um then we also have junko mizuno who's actually um who's who's a japanese artist um who's kind of, who does a lot of like gallery art as well. And does a lot of design art, a lot of things for a lot of different, um, large companies and has also put out a lot of books and she's really well known in the U S and has kind of like this awesome cult appeal. And is one of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did a print for our project, but she also did some, t- uh, which also was crossed over into t-shirts as well. Uh, so that, those, the, that's kind of the, the rundown of the, of the, of the people who did prints.
0: Okay great because the uh, well, obviously you're you're offering something good because you've like in twenty four hours you had your uh, your pledge your goal met, and so you're doing other good things. I was just sort of curious though, I was thinking about how different do you think this ended up being from the original story do you did do you think it's somewhat different? I mean, will people be surprised if they read the original story some of the changes you made?
1: I think that um, well, our goal with making this is to be, is to both homage and to reinvent. We're calling it a reinvention because mm-hmm. um, we're not doing a direct, we're, we're doing a, in some ways it's direct adaptation. We're also digging into the characters a little deeper in different ways and mm-hmm. uh, giving some characters larger roles. hmm And they had in the original.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So what we're trying to do is we're definitely homaging the original. And I think that that fans of the original will be pleasantly surprised with what they get out of it, uh, what they see in the book. Um, But we're also kind of opening up the universe a little bit more so that we have, uh, so that we can kind of um, uh, give the characters again, larger roles and also kind of uh, provide a possible, um, a possible kind of conclusion. The story, hmm. uh, because the story was never actually finished, hmm. um, so that's something that we're also doing. So I think that you know, um, because like a lot of like a lot of Tezuka's work that was made in the in the seventies, you know, it's brilliant, but also you know has has some things that are kind of relegated to its period, time and period. Hmm. Um, and so one of the goals with this is to kind of uh, open it up to a new generation of readers. And so we want to make sure that people that, are, that have never heard of Unico before can get into this story while people who have heard of it, and who are fans, um, find plenty to uh, latch on to and even something new and exciting for them.
0: Okay. Well, given that it's already a success, uh, do you have any other projects in the Unicoverse, as it, you might call it, to, to do? Or, or is this going to probably uh, satisfy your need to do this?
1: I can't really speak to that as of yet. I, I will say that um, I'll just say that right now we're focusing on the Kickstarter, but uh, you know, things could happen that would be really incredible for you to go. We'd love to see, uh, you know, the universe expanded.
0: Wow. Okay. So in other words, get in there and support it. Yes. That's, that's Don't wait. People always wait till the last minute and then they say, oops, I missed it. No. Don't do that. The thing to do now is to get on there now and support it. And again, it's called Unico Awakening Manga. And I can't pronounce the wonderful Yuckerman. Get your name, Samuel Satin at the end. But Guru Hiru, I, I, I'll get that eventually. It's a hard one. It's because it's got two
1: it's <laughs> the eyes that are so
0: close. <laughs> uh, it's too, I'm, I'm too American. I'm not good with beautiful names. I'm just not. <laughs> so it's a, but anyway, be sure to get there and support that. I mean, right now, it's already a success. And you know it's going to happen. But we want to make sure that plenty more comes. Because this is really, it's looking like it's a great, fun story to read. And I can't wait to do it. I'm going to be interested to see what, what kinds of things you do with it. It should be a lot of fun.
1: Oh, uh, thank you so much!
0: Now there's a couple other projects, though. According to uh, Amazon, that you're up to, uh, there's a a book called "Buzzing," a little brown for young readers, supposed to come out in spring of 2023. Something called "Side Quests" in 2024, and the one that I'm most looking forward to because I don't know much about it is Crunchyroll's Essential Anime: Fan Favorites, Memorable Masterpieces, and Cult Classics. So that's the one I really wanted to, just because I, like I was telling you before, I I got into it at a certain point, and then I just sort of drifted away. It's it, there was a time when it was tough to get anime, yeah.
2: here
0: and and manga here in the U.S., and I just sort of, I just kind of got out of it. But uh, luckily, you were in there a long time, so that looks like it's going to be a good book to have.
1: Um. Yes. Yeah. So basically, like um. So, uh, it is a really, it's a really, basically the book, that it's, it's co-written with my colleague and friend, uh, Patrick Macias, um, who lives in Tokyo and has kind of been, uh, really into, uh, has really worked in the world of anime and manga for a long time and Japanese culture in general. And, uh, he and I, uh, were commissioned to write a book for Crunchyroll about 50 essential anime projects and their kind of historical relevance where they come from. Uh, We ended up getting, uh, so each of us ended up doing 20 essays and then we got 10 contributor, uh, five contributors come on to do about two essays each. So it really is a far reaching um, guide to, um, to kind of uh, not just anime that people and fans could get into and fans could, um, that existing fans could get into, but also that people that have never gotten into anime, Mm -hmm. Uh, could uh uh could kind of like you know sink their teeth into and want to learn more about the medium and the history of the medium so it's pretty exhaustive that way it's a pretty big book as of the moment it's delayed because uh, we're trying to figure some things out with it but it will hopefully be on sale soon and i hope that
0: uh
1: everybody will enjoy it
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it, as I said, because this is something that I'd like to know more about. And I think that's going to be a book worth having. So, well, Sam, it looks like, you know, based on the stuff I've read, I need to read more of your stuff.
1: Oh well, thank you.
0: Because it's just going to be great stuff. Because, like I said, the best camp was just a—I didn't know what was going to happen next. So someone like me who's been reading comics and stuff for many years, I love to be surprised. And so I'm, I'm dying to read Legend. That's when I, I hope you get to do those last five issues. Oh, thank you. And otherwise, I, I'm just going to have to—if I see your name on—I'm going to be picking it up because I think oh, it's going to be good. Stuff.
1: I appreciate that. Thanks so much.
0: People need. And that's it for this week. Be back next time we'll have another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.
2: all delivered in as fast as 30 minutes with Kohl's on Instacart there's no such we can't fix visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders offer valid for a limited time $10 minimum order additional terms apply so you've got an idea for a business the store of your dreams there's just one thing to figure out